Dark Art Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art, as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art. I like to paint monsters. You are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zar. What's up, Mike? Hey, Chet. How goes it? I'm good. I got, yeah. I got my green tea. I'm doing green, green tea. Green tea. tea lately. I got my orange juice. All right. You hear that? Hear the ice? Makes that like really nice atmospheric sound. Yeah. Sounds like you get a little cocktail party happening there. But no, it's just a really big. You see how big this glass glass of orange juice is as big as my head. It's <laughs> my second one. I've been been getting down with some OJ. Hell yeah. I've been getting down with some green tea. I've been I've I've probably the most significant thing that's going on in my life. You know, I'm always talking bitching about money and business and blah blah blah, but <clears throat> probably the biggest thing going on in my life right now is I've resumed my spiritual practice that I've been lagging on for 2 years now. <laughs> Meaning I'm doing my med- goes wild. my my meditation again and it feels really good and I've been exercising on my exercise bike. I'm drinking Sweet. green tea. I'm drinking only water, which I was kind of doing anyway, but I started slipping. But I'm really feeling like... You know, you do seem clearer. Yeah, I I feel like... uh, And I'm trying to get, you know, now that these deadlines are over, I'm trying to get back in a normal sleep pattern and getting enough rest. Because I'm thinking that maybe all the struggle, part or at least part of it throughout my career has been um, that the things that are really important, like your spiritual practice or whatever you want to call it, meditation, your spiritual connection or whatever you, however you put that into words, whatever your mm-hmm. belief system is, that that's all, that always kind of comes second to all these material things like making money and, and, and your business and you know sure. running around and getting your car fixed and this and that. So I'm just trying to put that as a priority now. And I think that maybe on some cosmic level that it will help the other stuff. It's more like well, I mean, the other stuff springs put, from that. Or the other stuff springs from the spiritual exactly. practice rather than the other way around. And yeah, it's like, totally. you know, you go through phases where you have to focus on stuff like that sometimes. And it, but it's been like two years where I have been just been grinding and neglecting my spiritual path, I guess. And so I've just noticed, you know, you feel the repercussions yeah, in your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's only been like a week or so. And, you know, I've been reading up on this chaos magic and kind of getting back into these things that I was toying with a while back. And I'm just feeling already feeling better about everything psychologically. Great. And, yeah, so hopefully I'll lose some weight and get in, start feeling better. And just, you know, things will start happening. Well, I'm sure it will if you continue. Yeah, I mean, will. I think it that will. I think that the bottom line when it comes to to any kind of way, you know, because it's I think that's like one of the simplest ways ways <laughs> to talk about it is like your whatever way you practice, you know, whatever that way is, right. because then you're kind of pulling out the theology aspect of it, you know, right, right. and I think that, you know, your way, what you, should, should, what you know, you should be doing. 
Yeah. Whatever your way is should permeate everything that you do, you know, because it does anyway. And so the less you acknowledge that, the more dysfunction you're, you're right. likely to see in your life. And the more you, you pay heed to the fact that the way should be part and parcel with every moment in your life, it, however seemingly mundane or otherwise. I think yeah. that that's, that's where that integration comes in. And, and I agree. I struggle with it as well. Yeah, it's part of, you know, being your own, running your own business and, and being an independent contractor. But even, you know, having a day job is going to be a killer. It's going to be hard to maintain oh, yeah. that discipline. I've, I've done both. And, yeah. and they each have the, <laughs> the truth is, is that you're always, you know, when I made more money, uh, you know, we spent more money. And right. I was and my idea of how much I needed versus what the bottom line was, was very different because I didn't have perspective on it. So it seemed just as intense <laughs> and scary, you know, like, oh, God, how am I going to get the money every month? It felt like that then, too. And I did that for 17 years. So right. what's the difference? You know what I mean? It's just a matter of reintegrating and and reprioritizing ultimately. And and you you change your perspective, your perspective as yeah. your perspective changes, you know, yeah. you, you are faced with the realities around you for your decisions. And often I remind myself by looking at my tattoo, buy the ticket, take the ride, you know. Yep. That's so, what, but yeah. I have a very different, I mean, I have a much more well-rounded perspective from having to go without right, yeah. and, and having yeah, you were missing, suffer. you missed that, you missed that in your life because you kind of, you grew up in a, you know, a upper middle class background, you know, you didn't, you never had to go without food before, right? right? No. And what I, and, and I would, you know, what I would do is I would moonlight to try to get some perspective, even as a teenager, right. but you know, hanging out with punk rock homeless kids downtown. <laughs> yeah. And that was like, you know, I mean, I knew that it wasn't the same thing, but it was the only way I could kind of get some per perspective, you know? Right. And that's probably why I was always attracted to hang out with homeless people my whole life. And I ended up making a documentary about them, you know, because they, you know, if you don't know what it's like, you're curious and you want to try to understand it. But the only way you can understand anything truly is to experience it. Right. <laughs> so, and it's not like, know, it's not like you, you decided to go on this art path where you're, you're your own boss and, um, to to know what it's like to not have enough money for food but no. that happened because yeah. you you followed the path that you felt like you should be on and what did it do it immediately taught you a big thing that you needed to learn and which yeah. was what's it like to not have enough money to eat <laughs> yeah, exactly. well it didn't immediately do that it right, actually right. took quite some time for me to get to that particular <laughs> lesson but yeah there's been a whole whole myriad whole plethora of lessons <laughs> along the way and that's just been the the most perhaps yeah, right. intense and right. and certainly the Obviously. most acute and yeah. recent but yeah uh, yeah and you know the thing is is again i don't look upon it with any ill ill feelings. You know, it's not, I, I just don't orient life in that way in general. You know, that's why people are always like, Oh, you're so positive. It's like, well, actually it's not even, I'm actually kind of, I'm, I'm really kind of a negative person in a lot of ways, but it, it's not even that it matters because I'm not really at odds with any of it. It's not, I don't feel like I deserve anything. I, there's, I've never had a sense of entitlement. That's the one thing I can say, you know, a lot of people mm -hmm. that grow up and I wouldn't even call myself upper. I wasn't really, we weren't really raised in upper middle class. We were middle class. I was raised as a middle class person with middle class, right. you know, means. And the thing is, is that I lost my point. What was I talking about before that? Uh... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's not pulled, important. Pull the chat. Oh, well. Oh, entitlement. It, it, you know, I, 
even though I was provided for, and certainly I never starved as a child, mm. you know, I, I had what I needed and I was taken care of and I, I was raised that way. I never though came away from that with a sense of entitlement. Right. I don't feel entitled to anything ever. I mean, and if you, you know, it, all you have to do is just for a minute, start feeling entitled to something and the universe will be quick to slap you down mm-hmm. with the proverbial fly swatter and remind you that you are not entitled to anything. Yeah, so right. I really try to remain in that space of feeling, you know, grateful and feeling gratitude for what I do receive and, and, you know, try not to be too unhappy when it goes the other direction. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. I've got, uh, I've also been practicing, trying to really practice, you know, I've said it years. We've talked about this many times, um, which is somehow me personally, somehow I feel like it stems from this big spiritual awakening I had in 87 you know, but somehow ever, you know, I've always been able to pay my bills every month. I've never been homeless. I've never lost everything. I've always managed every month, but I've always worried every month that I'm not going to be able to do it because I think, cause my parents grew up, you know, broke most of the time and always struggling. Basically what I'm complaining about, that's my parents were complaining about. So I could see right, that right. it's completely this inherited pattern, which I'm trying sure, to break now. Yeah, totally imprint for sure. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> but you know, I'm well, like, the two get paired too in right. a certain way. So then it's like, without the one, how do you have the other, you know, like without the feeling of like, how am I going to do it? And the worry and the stress mm-hmm. and somehow that in our it's, mind yeah. gets twisted into the operating system yeah, for receiving. Like if I, if I stress harder, I'll make more somehow, right, which is like right, so right. Yeah, inappropriate, just, but again, it's imprinted, you know? Yeah. It turns into a pattern, a cycle, a repeating cycle. But, um, I had like a really good meditation the other day and, and, and kind of a voice in my head just sort of said, I was kind of like asking, what is the answer here? What do, I'm so sick of my life being disorganized and rushing around and not being able to really enjoy myself because I'm so busy and I'm always working and I'm working too hard and I'm not getting enough sleep, blah, 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 blah. And so I was gotten this really deep state of meditation and it was like, just let go and don't worry. And it's obvious, the obvious, I knew that when I was fucking 10 years old, you know, and, but it, it kind of hit the way the message comes through that makes the difference. Yeah. And so how well it resonates. And so again, this month I've got this huge business expense. I got to cover huge that I don't have the money biggest for. Biggest ever. Yeah, probably the biggest. Well, one of the biggest ever. Uh, definitely it's up there. But um, And I don't have the money for it. But I'm like, you know what? I always manage somehow. You know, I'm going to put effort toward it, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to stress out about it. And um, <clears throat> really not letting that feeling of worry take root. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's what happens is you start worrying and then you get this feeling in the pit of your stomach. And it just mm-hmm. perpetuates it, and you're constantly. Well, and then in a you like, then you'll find yourself like going back to investigate it. Like you'll for, start to forget about it, and then you like got to go back and like lift the rock up and be like, oh yeah, it's still there. Okay. Yeah, right. You know, it's like, why am I doing that it's to like myself? Picking, picking at a scab. You yeah, know, it's not totally. letting it heal. So, I just at that point, I was like, okay, I'm not gonna worry all month about this bill that's due like on the third, and of next month, and um, I know it's gonna come somehow. Things always happen. You know, I'm gonna put effort out there, but I'm not going to stress about it. And immediately I sold a painting that I forgot about that murder made painting at uh, a yeah. Copro sold. Um, I had this pin sale, which sold out in, you know, less than 15 minutes. And, you know, and I still have, you know, probably I've got probably half the money that I need now. And, um, 
uh, you know, and I know that the other half's going to come somehow before the third, and I'm not going to stress about it. And and it's just it's such a it's a hard, difficult skill to to learn when you've been worrying your entire life. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, well, and it's not like it's it, I mean, I think that part of it is, is it's a funny balancing act because it's like, you know, we you know, it's like you said before, you know, the lesson and you know, the skill. But the thing is, is that the tools we carry with us only work for certain stages in our life and we're changing and evolving all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like we have to find new ways to be able to remember those things and new ways to practice those things as we evolve. Right. And so what you're telling me, it sounds like, is you're finding ways to reinvent your process and your ritual so that it gets you back to that space that you know so well, you know, and right. the old tools don't work anymore. So you've kicked them off the belt and you're putting new tools on the well, ones that are going to be more functional. Yeah. In a way there are definitely, there are aspects of that, but at the same time, I'm going back to the thing I was neglecting, which is the root of everything. The root of all my practice is meditation mm-hmm. and, and getting back to that. It's just funny. It's just so stupid because it's just, it's the one thing Lisa's always like, meditate meditate Mm -hmm. every time you meditate you're better you're a better person to be around you're more enjoyable you're not as stressed out and you know i always get too busy and i and i slack off and then i like like i said for two years i was kind of not really meditating regularly and then i start back up and immediately i see the you know positive benefits yeah yeah and it's just like i'm so stupid but um i mean everybody does this i suppose but um Joyce says the same thing to me about hiking. She's like, just go hiking. She's like, if you go hiking, you'll be better. Because for me, that's my, you know, I do walking meditation. And so hiking is what works for me. You know, right. my meditation is not guided visualization. It's not sitting meditation or breathing. It's walking meditation. I do all kinds of meditative techniques while I'm walking, certainly that involve breathing. But you know what I mean? So she's always saying the same thing yeah. to me. And if I don't, if I don't go out and do it, I do get addled and I lose my base. I lose my center, as right. it were. And that's kind of what you're talking about is that's yeah. your center you know it. And the longer you go without it, the easier it is to go without it, but the worse it feels, you know? And so it's a right. weird, it's a weird dance that we do with ourselves. You know, it's kind of like reminiscent to whatever degree of that, uh, that quote from, um, uh, apocalypse now, you know, the worm writhing along the top of a straight razor, you know, and not getting cut in half, like walking mm-hmm. across the straight, you know, crawling and sliming across this straight razor, mm-hmm. somehow making it, you know, and that's how it feels a lot of the time. Yeah. So anyway, in, in any case, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, feeling better and things are going well and I'm not stressing. So, oh, and the, the other thing that's going on, um, I'm doing a presentation saturday at, at this art barbecue that's been going on this is like the hundred and something wow one, one they've done and they every uh it's these a lot of collectors get together kind of older collectors mm-hmm. uh, more established collectors get together and have a uh barbecue and then they have a, an artist do a presentation so i learned keynote How cool is that yeah it's great i didn't know what you were doing that for you didn't even tell oh, me so i thought i, I told just, you I just, you told me that, I mean, you, you told me, you always tell me like part of it. So right. it's like, cause you're busy. And so like you, you told me the part of it that you were doing the thing and you needed the pictures and you're doing this keynote and you had to learn it. And we uh, talked all about that, but you never <laughs> told me what it was for ever. Like that was totally left out. So that was like fresh news for me. So yeah. cool, man. That's exciting. I'm happy for you. Yeah. So it'll be cool. It's a Saturday. So by the time this airs, it'll have happened a few days ago, but, um, so it's kind of cool going through and I learned that that keynote program is so great. It's like, uh, what, what did we say? It's like, it's the, 
PowerPoint, yeah. Mac's version of PowerPoint is so easy to use, and it's going to be useful in other things that we do, I'm sure, but really easy to use, and it's so cool to go and I'm picking out like all my best paintings and putting them in sequence and starting to think about. So it's it's kind of like the documentary again, where I'm able to like look back through my career and and see all these big changing points. It's pretty mm -hmm. interesting. It's pretty fun to do. So I'm almost yeah, done. That's cool. Done with that, and then I gotta um, I gotta do the uh, finish this tutorial on my Patreon, which I'm like three months behind on, but um, it's almost done. And then and then I'm free, and I can start painting for my solo show in October, which I'm only gonna let I'm gonna have less than two months to paint for that, which is insane. Yeah, that's pretty intense. But but you know you you your peak optimal performance is under intense pressure just like mine. So I'm sure that you know they'll be incredible and you'll be super you know boggled and exhausted after it's over. But you know you'll you do your best work under those conditions. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do it on a schedule this time too, so I'm not staying up all night. I'm really gonna try and change it up. So what's going on with you? Well, I mean, as I guess, you know, we kind of talked about a lot of that stuff on, <laughs> on the, on the pre-roll. Pre <laughs> well, more about what I was doing than you. So it's kind of cool. you got to talk about because I was okay. I always kind of dominate the pre-roll because <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm talking to a smaller audience and that they actually probably care more about what I'm doing. I feel like on this podcast, it's like, you know, I'm important in everything. I'm the co-host, but people are more interested and drawn to the show for Chet Czar. And so, you know, I'm not going to spend like as much time as I would spend on the pre-roll gabbing about whatever I'm dilly-dallying with in my life. But <laughs> things are good. We've got the Dark Art Society retreat coming up here in like two and a half weeks and that's super cool and i'm just i'm excited i'm building this outhouse and getting the campground area ready and building an outdoor shower and setting up the outdoor kitchen and just getting common areas and i just did a question or i just did a i received all the questionnaires from all the participants and so i did a response to everybody basically getting everyone on the same page and so that's really exciting dark art society member andrew hawkins also from our last episode is coming out and he's providing transport from the airport for early check-in for people. Shane Isakowski and some other folks, it's going to be really cool. So yeah, that's exciting. It's a lot of work, but I'm, I'm really excited um, that that's happening. So that's, that's been going on and then just doing my usual social media work for people. And you got you some know, picking up. business, business clients. So things are going a little better for you. Yeah. Yeah, I've got, uh, I, I picked up a great new business client, so that's made a huge difference. Um, and also just, it's exciting because it's someone I've wanted to work with for a long time. And then I got a tour coming up here at the end of this month, a Land of Enchantment tour, and then another one at the beginning of next month, oh, right cool. before the tour. So I've got like two Land of Enchantment tours and then like three days and then the tour, wow. or I mean, then the retreat, yeah. I'm sorry. So yeah, so just a lot stacked up going on there, but um yeah, so it's been good. I haven't really had a chance to work on wards very much lately. That's been the one thing oh, that's yeah. kind of... I, I'm, I've made two in the past, but I guess I spent two weeks making a personal ward for myself because I needed to do some magic for myself because I was really going through a rough period. And I have found that that magic made a big difference. And so that's great. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. the point of doing it. Good deal. Well, so, yeah. But Joy will be back here soon. She's been out visiting her sister. And so that'll be, well, she'll be back by the time this airs, but that'll be cool. We've been apart for a month and that's the longest we've ever been apart. So, wow. yeah, so I've had a lot of time and I've been also experimenting with a, a very strange experience uh, that people will find out more about if they follow my patreon.com forward slash emails from infinity, I'm calling it New Mexico True Horror. And uh, there'll be a trailer coming out soon for it but yeah it's a, a pretty interesting experience that i'm documenting so uh stay tuned for that become a, a member and you guys can follow that that whole process that's happened over here the past four weeks yeah you you were 
hinting around on the pre-roll at weird stuff. So after the show, you have to tell me at least a little something about it. It's not, <laughs> not fair. It's not fair. Well, it's not like I was hinting around because I don't want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, that's what I said. Like after the show, I want to hear. Yeah. Well, you've been you've been an insider throughout the whole entire thing, so you will continue to be, of course, my my confidant. All right. But yeah, I'm having a good day. Things are all right. I mean, it's been a little rough. I messed my knee up pretty bad. Um, my knee, I've had an injury in my knee for quite some time, and I I really bothered it the other day, and I was actually down for, you know, like literally down with just ice and ibuprofen and ace wraps with my leg up for you know 36 uh, hours. Feeling better. Each day it's been a little better. Yeah, today it's better than yesterday. Yesterday is better than the day before. So I just got to take care of it. And then I got to do, I'll have to do a bunch of physical therapy, you know, on it here to get it back in shape because I'm going to be, I'm an active person. I have a lot to do. (laughs) I got to finish building this outhouse. Are you going to put a toilet seat on that outhouse? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fascinated with the outhouse construction. I saw those pictures you sent. It's like, that is really interesting. How does it work? Well, and that's just the base, you know, that's like I haven't built the structure, you know, but yeah, it's, you know, when you, when you go into an outhouse that you walk in and it's a very small room, basically that's with a slanted ceiling and there's just a bench seat with a hole in it, but it does have a toilet seat on it that has like a top lid and then like a a butt lid, you know? (laughs) And uh, yeah, so you can close it and stuff and you put a little fixture in there for some toilet paper and you typically put some kind of a coffee can in there with lye in it. So after you do your business, you sprinkle the lye over it. And uh, we'll also have a gravity feed sink in there so that people oh, can cool. wash their hands and stuff. It'll be attached to the water that is for the gravity feed shower. That'll It's attached to the whole unit behind a privacy fence. Wow. Because we have females uh, that would like to be able to clean themselves during this camping excursion. So we're going to provide that for them. Excellent. Yeah, and I mean, it just goes to show what you can do as a group, you know, as I said on the pre-roll, mm-hmm. it's like I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to, you know, create these facilities. I wouldn't need them though if I didn't have these people, but that's <laughs> the whole thing is it's like, now I'm going to have this and people can come every year and we right. can do this awesome thing. And it's just cool what we can do together when we put our energy together and our resources together. Right on. Well, yes. I guess we've taken a long segue into the topic for the day. Huh? 21 minutes, 21 <laughs> minutes. That might be a record. <laughs> Okay, well, today we're going to talk about, since we talked about movies last time that are so bad that they're good, we're, talk, we're going to talk this time about movies that are so good that they're good. Just favorite movies. Because, you know, sometimes we want um, sometimes we want to do a show that's just kind of fun and easy. And this is a show that's fun and easy. It's something we talk about a lot personally. And, um, you know, rather than have a guest, it's a little more stressful to have a guest, especially someone that we don't know, and set that all up. And uh, we love movies. Mike and I both love movies, as I know. I think a lot of um, the listeners love movies as well. And um, so, so we're going to talk about the movies well, that and, and influenced like us to, the most. Yeah, and I'd like to actually give props to Eric Tengren because Eric and I spent some time here. He lives locally now, and we hung out recently, and he, yeah, he actually awesome. gave me this idea. Uh, yeah, he's a great artist, amazing, cool dude. He's had his stuff in Conjoined. And anyway, I have he, one of his he, pieces, too. Yeah, he's great. So at any rate, he he and I were hanging out and he was like, you know, I really enjoyed the So Bad They're Good, but he was like, I I would actually rather hear, you know, like the movies that yeah, were really right. good that ins- inspired you. So yes. I, th- I just wanted to give him props for That's true. It was his him, idea. That idea. It was his idea. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't have a favorite. I can't think of a 
favorite. Yeah, I wasn't. I felt like I was going to kind of say right out the gates for myself, like I'm not about to be like throwing down like top five action here. That would take too much thinking. And the whole point Chet just posited is that, we're, you know, it's kind of laid back. But I can I did think in advance, which is rare for me <laughs> on these shows um, about, you know, at least five movies. Again, not my top five, okay. but at least five films that were profound and influential and formative for me. Okay. And I, I will I will list them as we go along, but yeah. I won't go into great detail about the ones I've already mentioned on other episodes because I don't want to bore people that listen to this regularly, which I know a lot of people do. Okay, so why don't we go one, you do a film, I do a film, you do a film, I do a film. All right, you go first then. uh, Okay. Um, Let's see. Since I didn't think about it. (laughs) Well, the the first thing that popped into my head, uh, this is definitely not my number one film, but it really is one of my favorite movies, and I've talked about it a little bit before, but um, it slowly has grown to become one of my favorite movies because every time I see it on TV, I have to watch the whole thing if it comes on, and that is Casino. That's got to be one of my favorite Scorsese. I'm a huge Scorsese fan. I think I've been a fan of his since, like, Taxi Driver. When I first started right. r- renting videos in the eighties, Taxi Driver was a big one because it's so dark and so amazing and gritty and realistic. But Casino is so entertaining from the beat. There's no, it's so good. There's, I, I mean, I like it better than Goodfellas, and Goodfellas is oh, amazing. Oh yeah, me too. But yeah, it's I like think, I think Casino's tops Goodfellas any day of the week. Yeah, it's so good. It's like there's no boring part. There's no part where something's wrong and it's a long movie too and it's just like keeps you engaged and it's got so many memorable scenes like when he smashes that guy's hand with the hammer (laughs) so awesome the guy's head in the vice grip oh Oh my my god God. yeah so brutal wait that was make me pop your eye out of your head oh is that on goodfellas is that good i think that might be goodfellas Maybe. I just watched Casino recently, though, and I could have sworn it was on. I'm pretty sure it was on Casino, man. It's funny. Well, Joe Pesci kind of plays a similar character like he usually does. He does. He's pretty much like himself as this gangster he's in so, all the movies. He's so amazing. He's so I amazing. just think it's so funny. Like, he's like getting angry at the guy for, you know, have, like, you made me pop your eye out of your yeah, head you, and get this that, information out of you. Like, that just idiot. shows, like, what a, a disgusting, disturbed individual he is, you know? And why is it that, that that's, like, entertaining and a memorable scene, aside <laughs> from the fact that it's shocking, is that it's like, that's what's fascinating about that film is you're dealing with fascinating albeit flawed characters and that's what the world is you know that's what everyone is no one's perfect everyone's flawed everyone's got some dark side to them that's what you know the dark art thing is all about is that we've all got a little bit of that and so we're curious about it you know i want to see what other people's dirty laundry looks like from time to time if it's entertaining and good storytelling cinematic and production quality you know and i'm sure you know working in casinos you might have some observations of casino (laughs) as a movie they did a great job. Uh, the only moment that that blew my suspension of disbelief, which I've mentioned to you before, was the scene where Sharon Stone throws all the chips up in the air. And it's not that that wouldn't happen. I mean, that <laughs> that's such a great actually, shot, though. You know, it's so amazing. Is, Artistically, it's like that stuff does happen. Actually, it's not that that doesn't happen, but the way that they that, that it was handled in so far as like if it was an actual casino security and surveillance and the pit boss and all the people. The, the fact that basically everyone kind of acted like totally dumbfounded and didn't know what to do is ridiculous because in a casino, it's all standard operating procedure. There is a procedure for every there's a procedure to go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, you you know, there's nothing happens you're not prepared for and that people don't immediately deal with, especially in tense situations like that. Right. So at a huge casino, it's like, pff, yeah, that's not how that would go. <laughs> but again, 
it didn't, it didn't ruin it for me because it doesn't matter because the truth is, again, it's not like you had to check your brain at the door. It's just that the storytelling is so good. The way that they shoot it is so good and they're, 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 they're utilizing it as a device in order to create dramatic action. So it's effective. Perfect example of artistic license. So it's not like, okay, so it's like if I was watching a movie and someone had a gun and it was like, you know, not not a real gun and I could tell that it wasn't a real gun, it's not going to necessarily ruin the movie for me if the story's good. The story's not good and I can tell it's not a real gun, then I'm going to turn the fucking movie off. (laughs) Okay, so let's go. You you get the movie next, but I just want to say one last moment, one little little moment of Casino that I totally love. It's this tiny little moment that you know was not intentional and it just happened and they caught it on film and it's magical is where the, where the one guy who is, uh, I think it's Joe Pesci is gambling. I think it's him and he's flicking cards at the, at the, uh, the guy who's running the table. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he flicks the one card and it like sticks on his shirt. Mm-hmm, it like, mm-hmm. do you know what I'm talking about? It like sticks yeah, up on and his, and there's no way you could have played yeah, it. And it just falls off and he's like looking to the guy next to him, you know, not knowing what to do. It's like, <laughs> that was movie magic for sure. Well, the way that, that they, you know, and the way they're acting in that scene, that right there is very much like what casinos are like. I mean, now, granted, he's getting away with more because of who he is clearly right. in the storyline. But nevertheless, like people are incredibly abusive to casino oh, employees. Really? Incredibly abusive. Oh, yeah. I suppose man, they're when they're in the, in the, in the high, losing money, yeah, right. pissed off. In the middle of, yeah, in the dude, midst I mean, of I've it. had people like walk up to the cash cage and take their handful of chips and throw it at the marble countertop and have all like it's like a shotgun blast of chips oh in your God. face flying underneath the glass window off the marble countertop into your chest and your face like what do you call bam, 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 do you call damn. security when something like that happens or what oh, you don't even have to i mean they're on it dude you got so many cameras on you security's there before have you, you ever know, seen anyone you... dragged out against their oh, will yeah really yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> of course i've dragged people when i was really? security <laughs> When I worked security at the at the slow pitch casino in Bellingham, the I, I had to carry a guy out. I, the whole entire thing was like, actually, I'll tell it real quick. It's oh a short God. story, but I was I was working security and I was over in the the security casino area and there was like a bar area and Donnie was the bartender and he's like, Mike, and I'm like, what? And he's like, this guy's being an asshole. And I come over and I kind of calm the guy down and I guess he was like bothering a table of people and he was there by himself. And he was at the bar and he was like a big biker dude, like wearing like a leather jacket. And he looked really hell, rough. Probably no, he was. Sp- he was like you could tell he was like like oh, on speed or yeah. yeah and he was like you know all i antsy anyway so i went back into the casino because that's like really where i'm supposed to be so i'm back over there and then donnie yells again he's like mike throw this motherfucker out of here and i'm like <laughs> so i just like came you know and i get over there and i walk up like real chill you know like i'm a cooler i'm not a bouncer and you know? i'm not trying to make a hot situation i want to try to calm it down so i walk over and i'm like all right man i'm sorry to say but you know the bartender's rule goes and i put my hand up on his shoulder just like not hard but just mm. like you know to yeah, let's go. And this dude spins around on me and full on like is going to clock me in the face like he comes around with a punch. And, you know, in that kind of a situation, I'm not like a special martial artist kind of guy, but like, dude, punch coming at your face. Right. Uh-huh. So I somehow managed to grab his wrist in air and totally pull his arm behind his back, lock his arms up <laughs> and then took face force down to the floor. So I'm on top of him on the no floor. Way. He's no seriously, <laughs> wow. I'm not even joking. <laughs> And he's like, you know, riding around. And then all the people from the pool table, they all know me because they're like locals and regulars. They came over and we all picked him up. I'm not joking. It's classic scene. And literally opened the door with his head. We like took him to the door <laughs> and 
swung him rush. forward and hit his head into the door to wow. open it and drug him outside. And then we held him down. It took five of us to hold this guy down until the cops got there and they took wow. him away. Amazing. Yeah, it was crazy. And that was actually, I'd been awake for 24 hours and I had been 12 hours earlier at my grandfather's funeral and it was a full moon that night. Wow. And after the whole thing was over, surveillance calls down to me, this guy, Matt, and he's like, what in the fuck was that, man? He's like, he's like, you got to see this. And he takes me back and he took me in surveillance <laughs> to show me the tape because he was like, so like, because I didn't know what happened. I mean, I'm not, like I said, I'm not special, man. This guy was going to clobber me and I just reacted, you know, right. but he was like, dude, where'd you learn to do that? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, you got to watch this. He called me back and I watched the tape <laughs> and yeah, it was like, I caught the guy's punch. I mean, you know, it's okay, like we, that. We got to do it. We got to do an episode on your casino adventures. Do you have a whole episode? Yeah, I'm sure you've got more than one. Okay, that's gonna. We gotta mark that down on the uh, list of future, future episodes. You gotta do a casino episode. Sure. <laughs> Whoa! I can't hear you. Can't hear me. Barely. Did you hit a? No, I can hear you, but just barely. Say something. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, you got really quiet. Am I still really quiet? Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't touch anything. How about well, my gain went way up? I don't want my gain way up. That's weird. How's it sound now? Quiet as hell. Quiet as hell? I didn't do anything. Let me unplug my mic. Okay. Say something now. All right, I'm talking now. Does it sound normal? Uh, go ahead, do hello, it again. Hello. Do it again. I'm talking. I'm yeah, talking, that sounds I'm normal. Talking. I messed up with. I messed with the output. Okay, sorry. It might have been me. I don't think I touched anything. But anyway, oh, well, what a we can what go a on. what a okay, what a mess. It doesn't matter. Who yeah, cares? That's true. <laughs> Good point. Um, okay, so I'll go with the next movie. All then, right, because you did Casino. So the first movie I would like to bring up is Fargo because oh. I absolutely love Fargo so much. I have to watch and... that again because I've only seen it once. Really? Yeah. No, wow. I, I thought it was a great movie, but I just okay. You gotta watch it. Again. It it, it uh, I didn't watch it again for some reason. And it is well, available. Should. I heard yeah, the TV so show is amazing. Have yeah, you seen the TV seen show? The TV. It's supposed mm -hmm. to be great. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, it's so when I remember when that movie came out, it was like I was a little older. I, I think I can't remember if I was still living at home or if I was back from college for like the summer or something. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what year it came out. But at any rate, my dad and I went to the theater. We went to Lion Cinema to go see it. Back in the day where we'd go to like the theater to see movies. I don't really do that anymore, but it would happen. And so, yeah, my dad and I rarely went by ourselves. And I think my mom was out of town. So I got to go see it in the theater. And it was funny because I didn't, I had not seen a preview or anything. So I didn't have like any kind of idea about what it was. And I mean, I was just flattened. I was like, this has got to be the funniest movie I've ever seen in my life. Wow. I mean, it's like the cutting edge of dark humor. You right. know, it's so funny. It's Coen Brothers, right? Yeah, it's the Coen Brothers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just so great. There's so many great scenes, so many great characters. Steve Buscemi is amazing, you know. William Macy is incredible. Right, it's just, I remember it's, now. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's so awesome. I, you, you know, know, you know what? One, I think one of the things that kept me from. I remember thinking this is a great movie. I loved it, but it was also one of those movies that I have a hard time watching because it's like it's, it's these characters that you kind of feel for, and their lives are spir spiraling out of control. And they yeah. never have a happy resolution. <laughs> and totally. it's kind of like, I have a hard time with movies like that sometimes. I, I do. Yeah. I, I do like, uh, I but, do like, but, a well, that's not true though. Sometimes. That's actually not true in that movie because the, the number one protagonist in that story actually is just fine by the end. Okay. It, so. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 You're right. You're right. Francis and that's not McDormand. true. Francis yeah. McDormand's character. Right. And she's really like, 
she's the she's kind of like the rock in that film if you think about a film you know because it's like there's a lot of these other characters and storylines right. going on and you know they're involved but she's what who we always come back to I know, she's but the I, central but thread the, throughout all of these peripheral stories I remember feeling this feeling uh really sorry for Steve Buscemi and William H Macy I think they're just they're such shitty people and they're just getting exactly what they deserve. <laughs> is it, isn't William H. Macy kind of like he's just pathetic and he if he's I remember totally correctly, pathetic. and he's like kind of got sort of pulled into this thing. He's not he's you like in over his check? head. I'll do a lot check. <laughs> so great. Okay, I'm gonna kind watch of, it. Kind not really. He's, okay, I'm gonna you know, watch it. I might be getting you realize he's he's morally a pretty deplorable okay individual. i might be getting it confused um, with the cool but you do feel bad for him too though and that's the beauty of it again is i yeah. guess the point i'm making for me is what attracts me often to films are flawed characters you know people mm -hmm. that are fascinating and interesting and there are qualities that we like but also qualities we don't like and how do you reconcile both those qualities in one person you know right, and that's i think yeah. what's kind of fascinating but there's so many funny scenes too like the dude that's like always smoking that never talks and he's in the car with steve buscemi and they're driving together and steve buscemi just will not shut up and he's like hey you want to play the quiet game mister all right i can play the quiet game yep we'll just sit here we won't say anything we'll just be quiet yep i can do that it just goes on and on and on and the other guy's like every once in a while he says something you know and he's like where's pancakes house and that's like all he says all right. like, what he's like, we just had pancakes we've been eating pancakes this whole time i want a steak he's like pancakes house you know it's just like it's so, so dry and like just like you know, almost nonsensical, but also just how people are too, right, and how right. you would expect these two kind of strangers to be together. But the mystery that you're discovering throughout the whole plot is what's fascinating because you discover right. that it's like start thinking that it's one thing, and then throughout the story you realize, oh, this is not what I thought it was. Right. You know, this relationship is not what I thought it was between these different characters. We got, we got, so we got to make sure. Just a note on it before I forget, we got to make sure and, and mention spoiler maybe, alert. Spoiler alerts, just in case you know, just in case something slips up. Yeah, you got to do a spoiler. You know what? I, I, I did just pretty much lay out most of the movie. And that's a, that's a, you know, um, one, one of my issues with the Coen brothers is that sometimes their movies like spin out of control in my mind. I'm sure it's what they wanted, but for me, you know, I like more of, you know, I like more of a traditional res resolution at the end of a film. And sometimes, no, no, no. Yeah. But I mean, but I, they've had other it. movies where sure. it just gets crazy and you don't really yes. know what's going on at the end because it's like it turns into a surreal like uh, Barton Fink and yeah, where it just no, like <laughs> it turns into a surrealist film I, at the end. I just tried to watch Serious Man and I couldn't even make it through the whole thing. And that's one of their newer ones. Right. And it was like not bad, but it was just like not compelling enough for me to care. Yeah. So I was just like having a hard time feeling like I tried. I watched it on three different occasions. I think I only made it like 45 minutes. Hmm. I tried. You know, yeah, it's they're hit and miss. I mean, I'm not talking like favorite directors here, just favorite right, films. Right, right. Okay, I'm gonna, anyway, let's I'm gonna watch on. it. You got, you got to put up one. Okay, um, I'm You're gonna, gonna love it. You're gonna watch it and be like, oh, I can't believe I didn't love this as much the first time. Right, probably. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it because I think it's on Netflix, right? I'm not sure. If it is, I don't, I'll watch it again. Shit. Yeah, it's on something. <laughs> I think I, I watch that movie like at least once a year. I think there hasn't yeah. been a year I haven't watched it. Okay. Um, my next one, I'm going to say. Dawn of the Dead, the yeah, 1978 version, because that really is one of my favorite movies of all time. I I saw it in the theater when it came out. It completely blew my mind, and, and it's one of the movies, that and The Howling, those are the two movies that made me want to um, get into makeup effects. But <clears throat> I just, I, I mean, I watch it all the time. I, I've watched it, you know, I watch it at least once a year, probably more. 
Uh, are you leaving? Hold on one second. I guess say goodbye to the girls. Come here. We've got podcast guests. The grandkids. Let's say hi to Mike. Are you guys going to come say hi? Hi. Oh, she's growing up. Look at her. I know. She's going to be huge. Look at how big you're getting. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's Chloe. Hi. <laughs> you too. You're getting big too. How oh my gosh. They're like, seriously, in one year, look at them. They don't even look like the same kids anymore. Oh yeah. Can they, I hear me? they can't hear you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying that you guys don't even look like the same kids. And I yeah, just in here. one year, I was saying you don't look like the same kids in like one year. You look like you've grown all up already. <laughs> okay. They're just smiling away. Yeah. So they're so adorable. All right. So you're going to, I'll see you tomorrow then. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Give me a kiss. Love you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Say hi to you, Ben. I will. They said to say hi. <laughs> Kyla said to say hi to you. <laughs> wow, they grow up fast. I know. Those kids are so fucking cute. I can't believe it. They just get cuter and cuter. That's I know. The thing. It's amazing. It's like you know, every day Lisa and I are like, oh man, it's like I can't even hardly pick Kyla up anymore because she's getting so big, and it's just like, oh got to savor it because pretty soon they're going to be obnoxious teenagers. Yep. And that's not totally. going to be fun. <laughs> I imagine that's not any fun. I don't know from the parent angle, but well, I remember from being a teenager, it wasn't very fun. So. I've never, I've never <laughs> raised girls, but I've raised plenty of boys and, uh, and they definitely become assholes around 14, 15, 16. Yeah. So hopefully the girls will be better, but anyway. Okay. So Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. This is. There are many reasons I love this movie. One is that you know it hit me at the right. I was at the perfect age for it. Um, I remember when it came out, it was unrated because um, they didn't want to cut any of the gore from it, and it was you know one. They didn't. It was the first time I saw an exploding head in a movie. Yes. <laughs> so that was so. Scanners wasn't the first time. Donna the I Day think was Scanners, before Scanners was after. Yeah. yeah. Cronenberg's like the early eighties. Yeah. Right? And Scanners is definitely a better ex- head head explosion for sure. It's probably one of the best ever. Um, but this one is so shocking. And it, it I wanted. Have you seen Dawn of the Dead lately? Do you know? I mean, are you I super familiar? I okay. I'm not super familiar. I mean, I've seen the film at least three times in my life, but it's probably been ten years since oh, I've yeah. seen you the film. But see I do it. remember like the, some it. of the scenes that I remember the most is like having to do with like going through the ceiling down into this hallway and this dude getting ripped in half and like mm-hmm. yeah, like <laughs> this kind of like trying to get away. It's scenario. so. It's so good. I mean, it's, you know, I may have talked about this before. Rob, you know, Roger Ebert gave it a great review. He said it was a great film, even though it was a low budget, independent film shot in Pittsburgh, totally outside of the studio system. They raised their money privately. Everyone on the the crew was like into this movie. They they worked these crazy hours. It was you told me they got like this whole mall to themselves because they were going to demo it, right? 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 No, no, not demo it because he George Romero, the director, he um knew the uh he knew the guy who owned it. <clears throat> oh, okay. Pittsburgh so they just mall. let him just just, just yeah. destroy it. And you could never do that now. They would shoot at night oh. and uh and uh, you know, they had motorcycles driving around in there and everything. Right. It's insane. Like most of the movie takes place at a mall. And yeah, I'm talking about that. the old one and I really That's all I remember is is the old one. I didn't ever watch the yeah, new one. The new one I don't I, watch remakes of anything, you I know, know me. Yeah, I know people like that new one, but man, I could not I can't get I just from the outset I cannot get I just think it's awful. I think it's awful. <laughs> Awful. 
Really? Well, I, I wouldn't. Here's how, how I much like I think that I wouldn't even try Snyder it. Guy, man, the director. <laughs> so, yeah, I wouldn't even give it. A I gave try. it a chance. I wanted to like it because I liked the movie so much. But I just, I just, you know, I think I watched it all the way through once, and then I hated it. And I tried watching again, thinking, you know, what? I know people like this movie. But Maybe I'll like it the second time. Yeah. Yeah, and I couldn't get. It made just made me mad. But anyway, um, uh, <clears throat> it's great the way the movie opens. I love the 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 disintegration of society happening. Well, first off, let me say it's low, like I was going to say it's low budget, and it's you know not not all the acting is great. There's a lot of flaws in it technically, but it has so much heart and soul that it, it as a film, it's still a great American film. It's really a classic, even though you know there's a lot of fuck ups and and technical problems and stuff, but. Great characters, the dog. Okay. Great, great characters. Great uh, story. Really great story. Great social commentary. It's it's really um, you know about consumerism and stuff in the in the seventies and late seventies. And uh, <clears throat> the what I love about this movie is it's 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 just like the the pacing is so good. It starts off they're in a newsroom and society's falling apart. And they're they're trying they're doing this kind of like talk show and they're talking about what's going on with these dead coming back to life and and people are arguing on what to do about it and there's just the sense of tension and chaos is so good in this newsroom and people are leaving and um, leaving leaving their jobs and planning their escape and it's very realistic in that way even though there is you know a lot of some like I said some of the acting's not great it's it's believable and it has like a the whole movie kind of has a gritty a gritty realism to it in a way because of the low budget nature of it. Um, but I mean, the funny thing, it's a low budget film, but it's fucking, it's an epic movie. It's like, it's huge because it's, you know, it's just lots of zombies, lots of big locations in this mall and lot huge fight scenes and bikers come in and they have battle with these bikers, which is real bikers. So it's like they're really kind of authentic, but, um, it starts off where they're in the newsroom and everything's kind of falling apart. And then it goes to a the projects. Hold on, let me shut this door. Where these SWAT guys are. Um, it's, it, martial law has been declared and these SWAT guys are taking over a building and the projects that these people are holed up in because they don't want to give up their dead because they're, they have to take the dead because they're coming back to life and killing people and making more dead. So everything's under martial law and you have to take your, you know, take the dead people and burn them or whatever. And they, they won't, they, you know, they, they, uh, don't believe in giving their dead up, you know, they're, you know, maybe religious poor people and, and stuff. And so they're trying to take over this project, the, the, uh, SWAT team and they break in and then just kind of chaos ensues. And this one guy is this one SWAT guy goes crazy and he kicks open a door and he just, shoot blows this guy's head off with a shotgun and just explodes and it's so it was so in 1978 let me tell you in a theater in 1978 (laughs) when you see a head explode you're not expecting it you know it's just like it's shot it was shocking at the time it was and it's like this is 
And then this is in the first 10 minutes of the movie, you know? Right. And that's, and that's not even, we're not even to zombies. Right. So this is like, it's just a person that gets shot. Right, so it's right. like starting out with like basically murder <laughs> right. as opposed to, but, you know, but, very but, gore, gory, violent. Murder. But then because these guys, these SWAT guys start coming in and taking the building over their opening doors where dead people and zombies and stuff are. So it's like, it's right. happening, just happening. And you've got all these people running around. This is, and, and it's like they shot, you could tell they shot in a real, in the projects. And so it's, just the coloring of the paint on the wall. I, the is whole kinda... time you're explaining it, I can like picture it in my head. I know I've seen it. I yeah. mean, I've seen it a few times, so I can like kind of picture it as you're saying. Yeah, it. and there's some just amazing, creepy zombies that are, you know, this guy kicks a door open and there's like a dead body with no head laying there in a puddle of blood. And it's so gross and gritty and real. And there's a guy with no foot, this zombie that's like crawling towards this guy. And it's so creepy. And then the guy, then there's the other shot in that first scene where, um, this woman is sees her husband, but he's a zombie and he's wandering in the halls and she goes to uh, give him like hold, hug him like Miguelito, Miguelito. And he just like looks at her and takes this huge chunk out of her neck and a huge chunk out of her arm, like total close ups. And they just didn't do that back then in the 70s. And it was really I remember the skin all stretching yeah, out and really like ripping and stuff. And it's and like, like a lot of blood. And it was that funny, like that like tempera paint looking blood. Yeah, so yeah, it's like too red and it's almost kind of dull. It's right, like right. got that funny look to it. So that to me, that made it look like I liked that because it made it look almost creepier and scarier. Like, cause that, I don't know, for some reason yeah. it made it more comic booky a little yeah, bit, yeah. which somehow made it scarier. Right. And the funny thing is that, you know, now you can see that on TV on the walking dead, you could see it totally right. realistic yeah. bites like that. It's not a big deal, but at the time it was shocking yeah, it was and way ahead of its time. And, um, yeah, and George Romero, of course, I've listened to all the director's commentary and I've seen the documentary about it called Document of the Dead. I've, I know everything about that movie. And um, you I know, know you've even painted a, a cover of it. All right. <laughs> and uh, they talk about the blood thing, the blood. I know the blood story. The blood was. Hey, you told that one time. Okay, yeah. Three, he used this stuff called. You can tell it again. Yeah, they use this blood from this. 3M company, which is stage blood, and it photographs like poster paint sometimes. Right. And right. Sometimes the blood in the movie looks good, but other times it looks like bright red, like too yeah. red, almost orange <laughs> or pink. And, um, but George Romero and the commentary was saying, you know, it, it does add to the, he's like, I think it works in the movie. It adds to the fact that it, this is like a comic book movie. It's not a super realistic movie, even though there's this really gritty, realistic element to it. He's always saying, he, George Romero used to always say, it's a romp. It's a romp. <laughs> you know, this movie is like a romp. It's a, it's a, it's a fun action. It's like a comic book movie. It, and it really kind of is. And so, I don't know. It's just great. The characters but are great. But also, I think, too, there's like this notion that it's like if you've never, okay, 1978, you've never seen this on the screen. And in real life, you've never seen somebody, most people have not seen somebody get their head shot off or seen someone laying there in a puddle of blood with their head cut off or seen somebody get ripped in half or seen somebody bite huge chunks out of someone's forearm or neck. And so the paint being wrong or the color right. being wrong almost like works because you've never seen anything like that. Right. So you're almost like, oh my God, is that really what would happen? <laughs> yeah, like, right. dude, does that happen to me? What I would is that what it looks like when you really bleed out like that? You know, you know. And now again, like you said, the technological curve has led us in a different direction. Right. But when we first watched that, it wasn't. You know, because right. I remember the first time I watched that, even for me, it was still like I think I was like twelve or something. Right. You That's know, like and that would have made it like too. you know eighty nine or ninety. But it's like still that you know for me that that looked pretty real. You know, and yeah. I still had never really seen anything like that. So I was yeah. like, whoa. Oh, it's know. just one of those. You know, that was one of those movies where even though there was technical problems when it was an inspired film 
it was an inspired piece of art. And when, when you have an inspired piece of art, things that are wrong can sometimes work for you, you know, oh. and it, you could tell everyone believed in this film. Every, everyone on set, I, I, I saw all the interviews and stuff. Everyone was like so into it and, it, you know, and it's so punk rock to do that. Make this movie outside of the studio system. That's why I'm, I'm a big George. One of the reasons I'm a big George Romero fan, even though he's done quite a few clinkers, he's had some really great films and he's, you know, he was, he was very much like the people. I, yeah, totally. And I, those are the people I look up to professionally, you know, the, the Mike Watt from the Minutemen. he's totally outside the mainstream, but he's makes a decent living making great art, you know, Jello Biafra and all these, you know, my heroes are all kind of these, these outsider people that have made it work for them. But anyway, it's a great film. I suggest you watch it. Anybody who hasn't seen it, it's really definitely on my top five list. So, okay, your turn. Nice. That, that was a, a pretty thorough examination. Of Dawn of the <laughs> I can do all, eventually we got to do a whole episode because I can go on and on. Chet will be like, I'll do the audio for the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So you ready? Okay. So you just sit there. If you ever have, three, if you ever have laryngitis, <laughs> we'll do the Dawn of the Dead episode or a Devo episode. Well, I'll bring, we could still, we could do either of those, even if I don't, <laughs> okay. you, you can, you can manhandle the conversation. It's not a problem for you. Actually, it was funny. Eric and I were just uh, complimenting you in, in your absence when we were hanging out about how impressive you've gotten with your, your uh, verbal skills for the podcast yeah, and just thing. And like, he, he was basically like, cause he said he's listened to all of them since the very first one and, you know, listens to them every week. So he's followed the whole thing and he's like super impressed with how the evolution of your, you know, your process. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it's I, drastic. I, I, you know, I've watched it <laughs> hands on. I'm sure anyway, it's so yeah, you're, you're not, uh, you're not shy at any moment to just take the mic and run with it. Yeah. Well, I see. I, the first episodes I was like, um, uh, <laughs> uh, but that's why one of the reasons I wanted to do it is so I can, you know, be better, bad. be better at it. It's never that bad. You just have, <laughs> you really are. It's like the, you're not even a shade of what you once were in that room. <laughs> that's good. Anyway, movies. Anyway. <clears throat> so I'm going to bring up a really obscure one now, and it is a film called Stalker by Andre Tarkovsky. I knew that was going to be in your list. Of course, and it has to be because it is easily the most, you know, inspirational, influential film that I've ever seen. And there are, you know, well, that's not true. There are a lot of them, I guess, but it's way up there. It's right up there. It's in this kind of category. We're going to have to do like, part two, you know, top, top. we're yeah, definitely going to, we're going to have to do part two of this episode. So stalker is like this film that actually I wasn't even turned on to it till I was in college. And the reason was because I was friends with this woman who was a filmmaker and she was read one of my screenplays and she was like, Oh, have you ever seen stalker by Tarkovsky? And I was like, Nope. And she was like, how could you not have seen that and written this screenplay? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> She's like, oh, you've got to see it. You know, She's like, there's so many similarities, it's going to trip you out. And this is my, that screenplay I was telling you about uh, in response to reality, my first screenplay that I ever wrote. And uh, so I got it and was just blown away. And so first of all, the, you know, again, spoiler with this one, but here's an important thing to know, and you may not even know this. The inspiration for Andrei Tarkovsky to make the film Stalker was after the Chernobyl disaster. Uh. And the reason was because directly after the Chernobyl disaster, there were filmmakers that flew in on helicopters knowing that they were going to get acute radiation poisoning and die from it like fast. Wow. But they did it anyway oh so that God. they could document the disaster for people, for mankind. They literally are like these heroes oh that were God. like, I am going to die from doing this, but we're going to fly over where this happened, directly over it, so we can film it, so that then we can show the world what happened. And that, you know, they sacrificed their lives for this. That's so crazy. 
Yeah, so he was so moved by that that then he made this film called Stalker. And the, the basic plot line is there's this place called The Zone, right? And it's this forbidden place, kind of like, you know, if there was a Chernobyl disaster and there was radiation, you know, like it's a zone. You can't go in there. It's mm. dangerous, right? So the whole thing is basically about this guy who is a guide that leads different people into the zone to find whatever this mysterious thing is. And the zone is like this, you know, very mysterious place, but also very mundane and almost kind of like, you know, why am I nervous about this place kind of thing? And it's, you know, it's it's the film is an art film, as Chet would call it. For sure. And it's so not and it's, an also, e- it's not an easy also, watch. It's not no, an easy no. watch, <laughs> but it's, it's great. Still, like, it is great. For instance, like uh, Jim Jarmusch's De- uh, Dead Man, you know, the opening scene on the train where they're riding out, you know, and it takes a long time. You know, you got to bear that kind of stuff in mind when you're watching Stalker because there are sequences that are equally as drawn yeah. out. But it is, you know, it's also in Russian. It's subtitled, you know, and so you got to be able to hang. There's not a lot of dialogue, though, to be fair. Um, but the thing is, the notion and the philosophy and the idea behind the story and the the amount of dramatic action and tension they're able mm-hmm. to build between these characters, because basically this guy's leading in like a, what is it, like a philosopher and a teacher and a, a right. physicist. Or it's like a, a handful right. of like people that are elites in their fields. Mm-hmm. And he's sneaking into this military zone, into this area that no one's allowed into and bringing this group in with him and then he has to lead them through it and they have to just do whatever he says and he's like talking about like I gotta take this nut and tie a rag around it right. and throw the nut I love that land. I to walk to where it is yeah, and you I must love follow that. so you cool. can't step off the path when they're and throwing the things around. yeah and you're looking around like what are they so I mean it looks real like normal like there's yeah, nothing up here they don't explain a lot you know? which is really really cool I like that about it because it really is like it's mysterious and it adds an element of kind of like Kind of like the supernatural, really, rather yeah. than just like a, a nuclear disaster. It's more like yeah, something more like else. Your mind, like what, like what is going on yeah. here? That because you can't see it either. That's right. the thing, and that's how they play it. Is like these guys can't see it, and you can't really see it, but the guide knows, and you just mm. have to kind of trust him. And you're like this silent observer that gets to go along with the philosopher and the mathematician, the teacher, whatever it is, you know. And it's a trip because you know, again, it goes into these sequences that are so visually powerful and aesthetic, uh, you know, the aesthetic mm-hmm. and, and so provoking that you can't really separate it from other films that have done similar things since then. Kind of like how you talked about Joel Peter Witkin's stuff being to whatever right. degree off by Jacob's ladder. You know, I look at the film like the cell and a lot of the scenes from that were, are it's straight stalkers, straight Tarkovsky mm. room full of the sand, all in the different like piles. And it's this long shot. Right. And right. Such- piles of sand and this pool of water and like yeah, all has, the very very uh surrealistic yeah it know? has an amazing atmosphere too it's got such a great you wanted i mean you wanted me to watch it because you felt like it kind of felt like dystopia yeah i, think, I mean right? in a, in and it really a, does absolutely. yeah it's absolutely. in that you know definitely well, we're tapping in the yeah, they capture that feeling that you yeah. always talk to me about when we do the work on the book is like this feeling of something that's not right but that you can't quite put your right. finger on you yeah, know, yeah. and that's that ambiguity. And of course, stalker for some people, it's going to be so ambiguous. They're going to be like, you know, yeah. it's not an action film, you know, yeah, this yeah. is the kind of thing that, you know, you want to go into and kind of, you're thinking like, this is going to be a trip and I'm going to kind of like go with this and yeah, just see where it takes me. You know? It's a movie you have to watch more than once for sure. Yeah, because you, you, you can't really, you don't, you can't like, you, can't you don't like, know what to just, expect. You know, like mild attention to it. Right. You actually have to like, Whoa. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That scene on the, on the, the train tracks is just like, <laughs> it's like, it's, 
crazy. That's the art film aspect of it. It's like yeah, so yeah. long and so drawn out, and it's just like well, and that's why I related to Dead Man. Because, you know, the opening scene for yeah. Dead Man is like this train ride, and it just seems to kind of go on forever. And you're like, I mean, are they gonna get to the movie at some point in right. time? <laughs> and the thing that's weird about this movie is that it happens partway into the movie already. So they've set right. this plot, and there's been some action, and then this whole train thing happens, and you're like. I mean, what? Like, How long does that last? It lasts for no, a long time. It really feels like it does. I, I'm not sure, but it really does feel like it lasts. <laughs> I mean, screen time really is a different thing, you know, because yeah. you got to figure that when you're thinking about film, you're thinking about the way an edit, is, a cut is the way the eye blinks, you know, and that's the way passage of time is revealed. And so when you don't cut for, you know, you hold right. a continuous shot for a real, you know, it only takes a minute of that before you're like, okay, um, I need my eyes to blink at some point in time because that's how we interface with the world and that's how we perceive time so it has to cut you know and when they don't it creates a tension for yeah, sure because yeah, you're yeah. like what's this even happening here I'm like <laughs> is this going to be the rest of the movie right, you know right. I, trust us it's not yeah. it, it's just it's the beginning <laughs> yeah. but it's great I mean so I for me it's just like Chet said atmospheric it's just an amazing film and it really got me thinking about Ways in which you can really bare bones something and still conjure a sensation without having to have a shitload of explosions and gore and right. sex and chase scenes and all this other stuff that, don't get me wrong, it has its place, but it's not a high cinema, you know? Right. And, and I'm more interested in, in most of the time anyway. Uh, Eric actually made a good point the other day. He said, you know, there's a certain kind of cinema that it, it expects you to come up to its level of intelligence, right, you right. know? And, and I like that. I mean, I like to be forced to think, you know, that's mm -hmm. what I, I enjoy that. And not everybody does. So Stalker's right. not for everybody. But for me, it was an incredibly influential film and really powerful and holds up today. And anecdotally, I think it's really fascinating the story behind why it was made. Right. Yeah, it's, it's great. You turned me on to that and it didn't disappoint. I think you were actually, I think I scared you at first and you were thinking it was going to be like harder to watch. And then you were right. all surprised. I remember you being like, it wasn't, it wasn't that hard. And yeah. I was like, oh, I, I didn't know I made it seem so freaky to watch. Yeah. No, you were, you were trying to warn me, but I think you warned me too much. <laughs> it, happened. it was great though. It was great. Better to overwarn and have you be impressed though. Right. Right. Well, okay. My turn. Your turn. Okay. Quid pro quo. Yes. I, uh, you know, I have to mention it, but I'm not going to talk that much about it because I've talked about it plenty before. And <laughs> I love, I love this caveat here, but it's, it is one of my favorite movies. It's probably the one I watch more than any other movie. And that is the original 1968 night of the living dead. I mean, we've gone over this, I forget which episode, but, um, again, this is another at least 10 of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's another one I could do a whole episode on. It's such a great film. It's um, same director, George Romero. Um, it's his first zombie movie. He admittedly ripped off um, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, Last Man on Earth, which is a Richard Matheson story, which is, I think it's called Last Man on Earth, the story. The, the, the novella maybe that he wrote but it was also made a movie with by uh, uh last man on earth was are also a movie made i think it's italian uh starring vincent price and if you watch last man on earth it really looks like night of the living dead it's but it's vampires instead of zombies um it's great i actually just watched that movie recently and that movie Last Man on Earth, uh, for me, I don't quite like it about 30 minutes in. I start not liking it as much. But the first 
20, 30 minutes. It's so great. I love that yeah. movie. That's a movie Omega Man was based on as well. But so he kind of admittedly ripped that story off to some degree. And, uh, you know, it's a classic. It's just it's just a classic film. It's so good. And it's different than Dawn of the Dead. It's really different in tone. Um, it's creepy and it's dark and there's not any funny. There's nothing. There's no. Well, there's some dark humor. Um, I guess the the uh, the 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 one guy when they're at, at the end of towards the end of Dawn of the Dead, when they when the uh, um, God, what's that guy? When they start getting the the groups together of kind of rednecks with guns to, to start taking care of the zombies and shooting mm-hmm. them. And there's the one leader guy who's like, you know, the guy's interviewing him. He's like, what, what are the zombies? What are the ghouls like? Ah, they're dead. They're all messed up. You know, that's kind of funny. <laughs> that's about as funny as it gets, though. It's really grim and it's really dark. And it really but even ha- that like has like a, it rings true because it right. feels like that's what someone would just like. Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, like one of those kind of people would it say. You right. Know? And the other, you know, one aside from the movie itself being great. And again, there's also technical issues because it was a low budget movie. But they these guys pulled their money together. They had uh, an advertising firm, and they um, specifically bought a 35 millimeter camera so they could make this movie. I think it was, or maybe it was a 16 millimeter camera. But they got a 16. Maybe they they got a nice movie camera so they could make a movie on the weekends because they wanted to make a movie, and um, uh, they pulled together. I think. 5,000 bucks or so everyone chipped in like 500 bucks and they kept getting money from people they knew. And it ended up being like a hundred thousand dollar movie or they spent, I think hundred thousand dollars on it. Ultimately it um, didn't go over that well at first when it came out. And then it became this, uh, once France got a hold of it years later, people started recognizing it as this great film. And then um, all these people that dissed it, all these critics started, you know, realizing or backtracking and saying it was a great film. And, then it became this huge cult film, and um, because they didn't proper, their distributors screwed up and didn't put the copyright mark on the film. They no one made any money off of it, which is a shame because right. they would have all been loaded for the rest of their lives. But it also, but it also poised it then to be a piece of Americana that even people like me in Chet's R. I like to paint monsters was able to utilize, right? As <laughs> and not have to pay any royalties or have any That's kind of one permission. <laughs> no, all I had to do was just say, "Hey." But it, what it's allowed a lot of people though to do is to give it solid nods in a way where then I think that's led to part of the, the cult aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And, and partly the, the lack of copyright probably led to part of the international distribution that happened and probably a lot that's, of the pirating. And so really well, part yeah, of its the, widespread aspect might be because it didn't that's actually true. didn't follow the, the type of protocol. Now, nowadays you'd be fucked up the ass for doing that, but <laughs> that was back in the day. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. That's true. But anyway, that's, that's, you know, it's one I can watch all the time. I love it. It's got, also got a great opening uh, sequence. Oh yeah, it's just a great, sequence. great, 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 great movie. I love everything about it. Some of the I remember acting when I, is when great, I put but... that clip in there in the in I Like to Paint Monsters, and you were like, "Couldn't you get a higher resolution version of it for that?" And I was like, "No, I want it to look like." 
grainy like right. you were because you're talking about being a kid watching it on the television That's i don't true. want it to look like and but i remember it was funny because you and i went back and forth over that a few times you know like you kept kind of bugging me about it because you really wanted it to look you know like the original footage and i'm like i'm going for the atmosphere here i want the thing in there right. i just it doesn't need to it, in fact it's better if it doesn't look right. clean that it was works. just funny because you and i were like learning from each other as we went through that process you know and that's that's funny i hadn't thought about that until just now <laughs> well it was a good decision so anyway that uh, that's all i'll say on night of living dead again we'll do a, some one day maybe i'll do we'll do a whole episode on that but okay now it's your turn Okay. Well, I'm kind of, I, I'm leaning more towards less of the ones that people will be terribly familiar with and more ones that, well, because that might ruin it for people if they don't know what the film is. Anyway, let's go with something that's more obscure. I turned you on to this film and I know I what it's going to be. What is it? Uh, I forgot, but I know it. <laughs> I was just thinking of it earlier. Uh, let, 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 let me get, wait, it's going to be, uh, think sideways. <sighs> Damn it. Well, I know what it is you're going to say. You say it. Well, it'll be one of two. I know. Oh, how about this? I know which I know that you think it's going to be one of two. <laughs> okay. You think it's going to be the killing kind. No, no. Mm -mm. Oh, I'm impressed. Well, that's what it is. So the killing. <laughs> kind. I thought it was going to be about I thought it was going to be the uh, the one about the the card, the the the. The gambling one, Intacto? Yeah, Intacto. Yeah, Intacto's great, too. Yeah. And I was going to bring up Intacto at some point, yeah, but first film. I was going to bring up The Killing Kind. But they're yeah. both great films. I don't so, think I saw The know. Killing Kind. That's the one you keep I, telling me about that I haven't watched yet. Yeah, but I thought you said you like started it and you like didn't enjoy it and you stopped watching it. Maybe. But anyway. Well, anyway, The Killing Kind was the next one I was thinking of. And the reason is because, well, first of all, it's, it's a British film. And so it's, you know, I like yeah. Br British films. And the other thing is, is that Oh, sorry, I have something sticking out of my finger. Um, the other thing is, is that it's like, it really takes this, this basic storyline, which is actually a book called Mr. In Between. And it's basically about a serial killer who's having a personality crisis. And he's trying to decide like, she, or, she, or not a, a serial killer, a hitman who's having a personality crisis. So he's like, this hitman, he's trying to decide, should I continue to be a hitman or not? But as you go farther into this kind of really ordinary plot line. Don't spoil and not anything for me. I won't. Because I'm going to watch won't. it for sure. I won't. Sorry. But as you get farther into this, this storyline, you know, you start to realize that this guy is affiliated with something that's like totally huge and weird and ambiguous and creepy and mm -hmm. like not what you expected. At yeah. first, it seems real cut and dried. Like he's a hitman and this thing's going on. And I won't give you any of the head right. notes. I'm going to watch like, it today. You know, but I'm going to watch it today. The thing is, is that it gets to a certain point where you all of a sudden you're like, it goes straight Lynchian and you don't expect it really. Yeah. And that's kind of what makes it such a brilliant plan because now here I, I have to provide a couple caveats. First of all, the, the acting is not incredible on all characters parts. Okay. You know, it's pretty good. The main character is amazing, but there are some, you know, bit parts that aren't as good. The production quality also, it's an indie film is not the highest. So, you what know, you do have this? to lend a little bit of credibility here. Let me look. I don't even remember watching any of it, but I know I did start it at one point. Here, see, look. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is. What is it going to say on here? It's like here? 90s, maybe. I'm trying to find it. I mean, you probably look it up on your computer. It looks faster. like Lost Highway era is what it looks like, because with that with that writing. I'm I'm trying to find the. It's they're not making it I'll easy for me. Copyright on here. At any rate, it's a great film, and it is, Nin like I said... It, Whoa, 1973? No, no, it's not that one. Okay. Um, 
And it's, it goes, like I said, it goes almost like in this really weird Lynchian direction where the story becomes so much bigger than you expected it to be. And the consequences of what are going on almost become like this moving target where you're like, what is this movie even about? What is even going on between these characters? And so they light the fire of this really mysterious kind of brassiere, you know, and you're like, what is going on here? But then they have it, this main line of this story with this guy and, and his life that's, that's happening and the other people in his life. So anyway, it's just a fascinating film. And some of the scenes are so atmospheric and just powerful and like, you know, I can't even describe it. You just have to watch it to get to these scenes to know what I'm talking about. But once you've seen them, you'll know what I mean. You'll be like, oh, the whole movie's worth just those scenes even. Even if you didn't care about the rest of the movie, those scenes are like worth it, you know? Mm. So anyway, it's just a great film. It's one of those really underrated ones. I think it was like 2002, I want to say. 2002. Mr. In-Between? That's the name of the book, but the film's called The Killing Kind. Okay, also known as The Killing Kind, 2001. Okay, I was close. I was close. Cool. 2002. So 2001. So anyway, it's just a great film. It's one of those films that kind of, you know, didn't really make it above the radar for most people. Um, but it's really, really an intriguing and and also, again, kind of like leans in the direction of being an art film, but never is really. And so I think that it can carry a, a you know, a more um, typical viewer along for the ride without losing them entirely. <laughs> you know, right. I think there's a no means no song called Mr. In Between. Yeah, I think so. Well, then let me just I'll, I'll let you do a movie next, but let me just talk about Intacto real fast since you already yeah. brought it up. Intacto is this great film. It's, it's great. Uh, I, I believe it. I believe that it's actually was made in Spain, mm-hmm. um, if I if I'm correct. But at any rate, it's just a great film. And it's basically for me, probably one of the most original takes on a gambling plot line right. that I've ever heard of. You know, you don't run into a lot of films that are incredibly original. You run into a lot of things that have been done before that are being done a little bit differently. And that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But every once in a while you run into some movie that's doing something totally different than it's ever been done before. And then they keep doing it differently throughout the whole film. And you're like, what is this thing I've just found? It's a treasure chest of like originality. You know, mm-hmm. it's got Max von Sydow in it. If that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's great. Um, you know, it's just, it, the acting is incredible. The plot line is multifaceted and multi-tiered and they're taking a, a traditional idea and spinning it in a completely new direction. And mm-hmm. so I won't say a lot about that because I don't yeah, want to spoil that. That's a great, I great, know a lot of people haven't movie. seen that. Yeah. Great yeah. Film. I loved it. I loved it on first viewing when you told me about that. I love the, you know, I love the, I guess the, I'll, I'll, I don't want to spoil it either. I guess I love the mis- mysterious element of it. You know, yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a great. Yeah, you're, they keep guessing the whole time. Yeah. They're like one step ahead of you, but they're leading you along, and they're like kind of giving mm-hmm. you these breadcrumbs, and you're like trying to figure it out. But they always manage to stay one step ahead of you, and then at the end, as any good story should, you know, they land you exactly where they want you, and it's where they've led you to go, and so it's perfect. You get exactly what you hoped for out of it. Right. You know, it's a, it's just a winner. It's I could watch that movie over and over and not be dissatisfied. Joy is not a fan for subtitles, so I don't get to watch as many subtitled films when she's around. But it's a great film nonetheless. Yes, it's great. It's either Italian or in Spain. I can't remember which, but I think Spain. I think it's Spanish, yeah. It's got the bullfighting in it. Yeah, I, so. think, it's, I think it's Spanish. Um, well, I'm going to bring up, uh, since, since we're on the Spanish kick, I'm going to bring up a film that's one of my a newer favorite of mine. It's not a new movie, but it is from Spain. And it's probably my favorite 
favorite time travel movie and um it's got the worst title of any movie that i love probably <laughs> and it's called time crimes and it is uh have you seen really time crimes familiar. dude that sounds like i think that we actually studied that film in film appreciation it's, course in college i mean it's like I, 2007 okay no yeah never mind <laughs> but it's it's great it's it's i, I you know college, long out of college by then it's you know what I, one of the thing one of the thing i really love about it is um it's one of those it. yeah it's it's great it's you have to see it it's so good it's definitely like on the um level of intacto for sure it's it's that yeah. kind of movie too like a mind bender mm -hmm. and what i like about it is it's got all these like oh because that happens you know, it's like time is all messed up. It has to do with time travel. So it's like mm -hmm. all these things are happening and different characters are, you know, people are seeing, I don't, I don't want to say anything because it's so okay. good. But okay. um, what I like about it is it doesn't, there was another good time travel movie that was fairly recent about these two guys that make a time machine and they kind of make doubles of themselves accidentally mm -hmm. And I really liked it, except it was. Oh yeah, that film. Uh, God, what was that something called? Gray, I really liked something gray. Prime or yeah, Prime. It's got that cube primer on it. Or I think prime, it was Prime. Primer. primer something like that. Was. Yeah, yeah. That I'm, was cool. I like. They that. did have a flawed plot, though. I agree. Right. It, they, they they left. It was too. I don't. You know. It was too like they didn't answer the questions that they posed, and you know, I'm mm -hmm. like, unless your movie is one of those movies where it's not about answering the questions, it's about something else. It, they lay it out like they're going to answer these questions and they don't they in that do. one. And it leaves, leaves you hanging. But um, Time Crimes like answers all the questions. So it all makes sense in the end. It's That's so cool. great. It's so great. I mean, the, the, um, it's, you know, uh, what's that other movie that, that I really like too that, that I would, the one that you were, that, that you were watching right before you started tripping on 2013 on New Year's Eve. Oh, no, that, yeah, yeah, that it was, yeah, it is, it, it's got some similarities to, um, I can't remember what that was called, Loop, but I know the Looper. Yeah. Looper. Looper. I really liked Looper. I have to watch that again though, but um, I know, I remember you really did like, that. yeah, it was really cool. Uh, I think I like time crimes a lot better, but, um, I got to so, check this out. I've oh, never got, even heard of it. Oh, yeah, Somehow you, it like slipped past my radar. That makes sense. The 2007, 2008 was a rough time. Yeah. You'll, you'll love it. It's great. It's great. And it's all, and it's subtitled as well, but it's, you know, it's so worth it. It's, it's. Oh um, yeah. I mean, for me, I don't even care about subtitles, honestly. And, and really what's funny is, is like, I've, you know, many a time I've been watching a movie, right. And I'm like, watch and it's subtitled and I'm watching along and I'm reading obviously, and I'm listening and then like at a certain point in time, something happens and I'm not sure it's like the magic and it's almost like they're just talking in English all of a sudden mm -hmm. and it'll go on and, and I won't put it in check and I'll get to the end of the movie and I'll like, and I remember I'll think back later, like, wait, that movie was subtitled. They weren't talking right. in English, but like, because some, something happens for me where like, cause I'm really wordy, you know how I am like with my words and fonts and the, the way right. it's all written and all of the photographic aspect of that. So like something happens where it synergizes the words that are on the screen and whatever language they're saying. And it almost like, it's like I can hear the words, even though mm -hmm. 
in my language. It's weird. It's a weird thing. So I, so I actually like subtitle films for that reason, because that happens for me after it takes me about 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes yeah. for that to start to occur. But like for joy, that doesn't happen. She has to like flick her eyes up and down, you know, the whole time and like be reading the bottom and looking up and reading the bottom and looking up. Yeah. At least it's not like subtitle stuff either, but I, I like, uh, I've never, I've never watched a movie that I think a movie is always better in its native tongue, even if you have to yes. do subtitles. It's like, cause yes. I saw life is beautiful, which is that movie I was telling you about, about the concentration camp where the, 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 the guy and the kid get taken to a concentration yeah, camp yeah. during Nazi Germany. And he, and the father's like the kid's so young that the father's turning the whole thing into a game. It's really amazing. Right. right. He won like Oscars and stuff, but um, that I saw it in its native language, which was Italian. And it was amazing. And then I watched it again, subtitled and I just, it wasn't as good, you know, totally. it just wasn't that's, how, as good. Uh, that's how let the right one in was for me. Like mm -hmm. I watched let the right one in, which I, I think, I don't know it's Swedish or Finnish right, or something. Yeah. Anyway, I watched it and, and it was in its native tongue and it was amazing. It was great. Totally amazing film way up on my list. And then uh, I, I tried to watch it with the English and it was so bad. Yeah. It was like pain, like it hurt to watch it. Same I was with like, this is sucks. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, that whole series too. I watched oh, yeah, subtitles is way better. But um, yeah. I want to say one last thing about Time Crimes that I really enjoyed yeah, about it is that it's super creepy too. It's almost like a horror movie, which is great. And it's unsettling and weird and it's, and it's great. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, that's excellent. Okay. So, well, I'm going to go with, with a more mainstream one Okay, and my more mainstream one will, I just have to mention it because it's just one of my all time favorite films. And that is fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, the, yeah. I got to watch that re again. I've been having, yeah, it's on Netflix right now. So I'm sure oh, good. people are tuning into it like crazy. I have a, I have a criterion collection on DVD version of it with and documentaries about it and also mm -hmm. about him and all, I have like lots of Hunter S. Thompson stuff. Um, but yeah, that film, I remember it came out in 98. It was the year that I was going to graduate high school, or I guess the year I did graduate high school. Um, and it was towards the end of the year. And the guy that I was going to be going to, up to college with and dorming with, he and I were like getting friendly. We had never been real close. We'd have classes together. So we like, you know, we both knew we were going to the same place. So we were like, oh, let's room up. You know, we know each other. We're going to a new, you know, all the way across the whole entire state. So we were kind of hanging out and he was like, hey, let's go and go and see Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas in the theater. And I was like, oh yeah, that's great. So we went in the park parking lot and just got super baked and then went in there and watched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And I had, I had not read the book at that point. And like, I wasn't even, didn't even know who Hunter S. Thompson was at that I've point. I've never in my read life. the book. I've never read the it's book. A great, it's yeah. a great book. I mean, yeah, it's, of course it's better than the film, but they did a really good job with yeah. the film too. They just, of course they leave stuff out. The book has right. more content. Like, the scene in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas where they're in the restaurant and the whole scene with like him and the woman and the pie right. and all that. There's so much more to that story that goes on in the book that they do not tell you in the film. Uh, and you're like, you know, the whole montage scene where like he wakes up in the hotel room and he's got the dragon thing on and the tail on and the snorkel. And there's water right, all filled yeah, up. Yeah. With and then they do this whole he's playing the audio back and he's listening to all mm -hmm. the snippets. 
That whole montage scene doesn't happen in the book. That's all stuff that actually happens. So what uh, they did was they condensed like all of this stuff that happened into this like montage scene to try to fit it into the right, film, right, which right. worked. It was great. It worked. Yeah. But the book obviously explores much, much more about like they show the scene where, you know, like all of a sudden they're like they got the car and there's the shopping cart and they're rolling it down the parking lot and it smashes into the car. And he's got a hammer and coconuts. And you don't even know what's going on, of course, in the film. But mm. in the book, they explain what's going on, you know, this is right. not just some random snippet. Yeah, it's like yeah, there's yeah. a story behind what's going on there. But anyway, that film for me was amazing because I felt like they really did a great job of blurring that line, you know, between the the psychedelic hallucinatory experience and oh, the reality. Yeah, you know? I thought, yeah, I thought it's it was not the, obvious. It's not like you're like, oh yeah, this is you know. Duh. I thought it was the it's best, best really original, best presentation of what a trip is like. Probably Holy. in any mil- in any movie of what hallucinations tripping is like. Yeah, and then when you just add in all, of course, just the humor, you mm-hmm. know, the Americana and all the making fun of, you know, drug culture and the hippie culture. And, you know, it's like it just that whole the whole entire film is kind of a now time I have to watch that one, too, know? after. <laughs> and there's not like it's like you said before, there's not a moment in that film that you're not along for the ride. Like it doesn't ever get boring. You're never right. like. There's always something new going on. I, and and of course, the more you watch it, because that's a right. film I watch like every, you know, at least once every couple of years, you do pick up more and more and more subplot that's going on and you start to realize more and more well, that's, about it. You the know? first time I watched that movie, because I saw when it first came out, the, my one issue was I couldn't understand what a lot of what Johnny Depp was saying when he was mumbling. Sure, sure. You know, so it's like it's one of those movies you need to watch again with the subtitles. I do that a lot. I watch because some, especially in the summer when I've got the AC on, and mm-hmm. it's my I've got this loud air conditioner in my room when it gets really right. hot, and I can't always hear the words. So a lot of movies, especially ones that I've seen many times or seen, I know what's going to happen. I'll put the sub, yeah. I'll put the closed captions on. You know, right. just so I can catch every nuance. Yeah, it's fun to be able to, especially for me, I do that a lot with British films because right. I mean, I, I've, I work with British people. I have friends that are from the UK and it's, it's cool. I can understand what they're saying, but there still are things that are lost in translation because there's a yeah. cultural jump. And so it's fun to put the subtitles on and you really pick up every little thing that way. And right. it's way better. It's way more fulfilling because mm-hmm. you're catching, you know, the, the thing that people often forget in films is there are no wasted words. There's nothing that happens on a, a film that was film. unintentional. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like when someone's making a good film, there's not like a moment that's wasted of, of airtime. It's all about the thing, you know? And so there's not like a word you want to miss because they're all integral. They were all chosen very specifically and culled out to be that word for that sentence, for that part of the film. So yeah, I really like to be able to pick it all up and I do lose stuff when it's another language, even if it's, they're speaking in English, but they're speaking with an accent. Like when I watch, um, snatch, I always have the subtitles Mm -hmm. on, even though I know the film, I want to hear what the pikeys are saying, you know? I want to, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it'll tell you what they're saying, and it's fucking hilarious, too. <laughs> so much funnier than if you try to understand Brad Pitt without right. the subtitles on in that film. You're, it's like it's funny, but you don't really pick up the intonations of the humor quite as well as if you're reading it. And you're like, oh shit, right. oh, that's what he said. You know, well, that great. that that brings me to my. I'll, I'll have this be my last because we're at one twenty three. Oh, um, Ooh, a long one. Yeah, and uh, we should uh, we should. Do a, we got to do a part two because there's a, so many more movies. Oh yeah, um, I could I could on and on and on. We could do a whole <laughs> podcast about movies. I know, I'm <laughs> kidding. 
the dark art film podcast. I want to do a, I want to do a, another podcast totally separate, you know, in my fantasy world where I'm just <laughs> critiquing music that I love, not like talking shit, but taking songs because I am so really into music. Oh, and, I know you're breaking the, breaking the songs down okay, to the part. Let me legitimize that for our audience. <laughs> let me just give them an example. You'll remember this maybe. So at one point in time, I posted on Instagram, this weird little video thing that I'd done, it was only like three seconds long and I'd thrown in this clip of music behind it. And it was like three seconds long, the shortest video you could have on Instagram. And I posted it. So it'd be like a gif. And it was just this little ditty playing over and over. And I told joy, I was like, I'm going to Chet's always like, eh, I know everything about music. And I was like joking, you know, like not, but like ragging on you at the same time. And I was like, cause, cause you do, it's amazing. Right. And it blows me away. I'm, I'm constantly impressed by it. So I was like, let's see if he can get this, that batch, you know? So I, I put it out there and I sent you a lick to it and you like went to it and you came back and you're like, Oh yeah, that's a uh, rush and you named the album and you named the song and you named the year and i was just like oh god you know so he is not joking when he says this he really well, could run a podcast like to, this. to be fair to be fair it's it's a certain period of music where i'm like i know everything about all the most even obscure shit, shit. Like. yeah yeah, yeah it's weird not a fan it's weird but anyway um i was thinking See, that's part of your synesthesia i think yeah. that era for some reason definitely. even the stuff you don't give a fuck about yeah yeah definitely um anyway so my my last one for this episode is going to be the one that you have to watch today or tomorrow and okay. and that is with nail and i yes nail and that I. is british so it also relates and um that's one you should probably watch with the subtitles on because that is a movie where every word counts it's that's what's so great about it it's the um that makes it a brilliant movie one of the things is that um it's the the script is amazing and the dialogue is amazing. It's perfect. And um the interesting thing is the guy who made it, the director, uh Bruce what's his name? I'll have to look it up. But um it was his first oh, I have it right here. Let me look. <laughs> I, I, I bet you I can look at it. An Alliance you. film released by Handmade Films presents with Nail Bruce and Robinson. I, Paul Heller production starring No, he was he was the guy that kind of sucked i've seen the documentary about this he's 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 a he's a producer that george that, harrison was one of the executive producers yeah. that's great bruce robinson he's the director bruce robinson there yeah. it is written and directed by bruce robinson yeah, he's the guy who wrote it and i like how you rushed to try to say it before you know. <laughs> cute. <laughs> you're so cute yeah that's disturbing okay anyway <laughs> so <laughs> give, uh, give me a kiss before we go <laughs> kissy um <laughs> So it's 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 semi autobiographical, which is cool, funny, you know. Um, it's got so it's got a few politically incorrect things about it. It came out in um, eighty seven, but it's a period piece. It's supposed to happen in nineteen sixty nine, and it's very authentic. What? I'm gonna take this. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, that's yeah. funny because there were some things I wanted to tell you before you watched it, and now I can tell you on the podcast. So, um, right. I'm, I'm, listening. I'm listening. It's, it's so everything that happened is, that yes, that's every, me opening with Dale and I, <laughs> everything that happened actually happened to the guy who wrote it in some okay. form, but it's compressed into like a two week period rather than a two year period that it actually happened in. Okay. Um, it's known as Britain's biggest cult film. Uh, people, people, it's a cult film. People that love it know every line and it's got a million repeatable lines. The performances are all incredible. There's not one bad performance in it. The characters are all really interesting and weird. 
and um, funny. It's got a lot of drug humor, really good drug humor. And um, uh, uh, it's just, it's, it's just so quotable. It's just one of those movies. It's, it's the epitome of a cult film. It's totally quotable. It's, it's really funny. Um, Acerbic and irresistibly self-destructive. Yes. That's, that's with nail. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, um, it's got Richard Griffiths, the guy who's in, uh, you know, uh, uh, Harry Potter. It's like that big, the, 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 this, the big round guy, the British dude, you, you'll, you, when you see him, you'll notice he's amazing. He's, Monty, the uh, you'll you'll just you'll see it's great. But um, Ralph Steadman did the artwork for it. Yeah, for well, that's what I was thinking right away. Was I was looking at the art on the front, and then I opened it up and saw the Blu-ray inside, and I was like, that it looks like Ralph Steadman to me. It's interesting that too that this this guy it was his first crack at making a movie, and it's his best movie. He's made a couple others. He did the Rum Diaries, uh, which is mm-hmm. a Hunter Thompson novel with Johnny mm-hmm. Depp which came hmm. out not long ago and it's I've never heard of it. It's it's got some good moments but it's not a great film. Um it's kind of a bummer cuz it's I was really hopeful because I, I really love Withnail and I. Um he's done a couple other movies. There's another one he did that uh how to succeed in advertising I think uh, in the 80s. Is that I mean, a how to video? <laughs> no, no, it's a it's Sorry. a comedy. But um uh he w- one of the cool things about it was he he said uh he told the crew i've never when he got the, when the first day of shooting he got everyone together and said i've never made a movie i don't know what i'm doing i've got a really good script because he was a writer he's a writer mm-hmm. mainly mm-hmm. And, and he was an actor for a while um i've never made a movie so i need you guys all to help me make this movie and and it was like totally created this camaraderie among the crew and he was able to make this classic great movie because he admitted that he didn't know what he was doing. That's cool. Yeah. And everyone kind of, you know, was into it and helped out and he, you know, he had to kind of fight. There was, I think that, that producer guy you mentioned was one of the, you know, kind of, uh, one of the people who, uh, he didn't like what he was seeing. He didn't get the humor. The humor wasn't wacky. He thought it was a, since it was a handmade film, from handmade films it was going to be a monty python zany movie and it's uh, not it's not a zany movie it's like a dark dark humor type movie coarse coarse language and substance abuse yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, i mean the movie starts out uh with these guys totally strung out on speed that's the very first shot it's also it's, uh-huh. it's, then it just kind of goes from there these unemployed actors um it, it, it's got gr- a great soundtrack too. It's got great period music like Jimi Hendrix and, and cool. actually George Harrison allowed a Beatles song in, which never happens because nice. at the end, you know, so it's, it's well, great. Hey, he obviously had his fingers in it. He felt strongly enough about it yeah. to fund it. Yeah. You know? It's, it's just fucking great. I can't wait for you to see it, but, um, well, it's it's gonna happen within the next thirty six hours. Wait. So it's just, it's so close. You can continue to build your excitement. The guy with nail. The last thing I'll say, uh, Richard is played by Richard E. Grant. He's really the centerpiece of the f- movie. He's great. He's this like you know arrogant, um, unemployed actor, f- fuck up, alcoholic. But he thinks you know everyone, you know, no one's giving him a chance, and he's a genius and really excellent but he is allergic in real life allergic to alcohol so he can't drink mm-hmm. and it's funny because he plays an alcoholic who's always drunk throughout the whole movie uh, basically and so the director wanted to give him he said the chemical 
memory of being drunk. So he made him drink a bottle of champagne before they shot, and he just spent the whole night throwing up. Oh, so he God. made it. He made him get drunk before they shot, just so he would know what it's like, because he'd never been drunk before. Wow. Um, so anyway, that's that's another great one that everyone should definitely see, especially you. And and even though I know Joy's coming back, and you're not going to have a lot of opportunities to watch that movie again, but it, you need to watch it more than once for sure. Oh, I'll watch it more than it's once. One I, have those, a blue, I have a Blu-ray player right here in front, of, right it, on this computer. Okay. I can sit in here and watch movies, especially if you don't totally love it as much as i do which you probably won't because it, it was one of those movies that i i kept hearing about i saw it when it first came out and i was like eh, it's a, you know it just didn't grab me and then yeah. i kept watching it and i was like and, it, and it, this happened to me with um uh fuck what's that movie gabe leonard's favorite movie i don't know what gabe leonard's favorite movie uh, is. with the dude the dude Oh, the Big Lebowski. Yeah, Big Lebowski. Same with that. I watched it at first. I was like, it's great, but I don't love it like everyone loves it. And then I watched it a few times. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like one of the best movies ever made. I had <laughs> that film. moment. Yeah, I fucking love I love it. I love that movie. But this, with Nail was the same way. I kept seeing it on TV. Whenever it came on, I'd watch it. And then I was like, this is amazing. These lines are incredible. And then I sat down and watched it again 20 years later. And really paid attention. I was like, this is incredible. And then I, because I bought the DVD, and then I watched it. No, it was on Netflix. <clears throat> and then I watched it again and again, and I kept watching it like every day because it was so good. <laughs> I had a like, period of a month where I was watching it just about every day. It was amazing. That's okay. funny. So anyway, that's my last one. Well, that's, my last that's why you show. bought it for me on Blu-ray. It was that's so right. that I would have it on so I could watch it and watch it and watch it. And it's okay. got, I think it's got bonus features too. So, Cool. Well, let's put a pin in it. I want to read off our newest patron. Did you support. have another movie, or are you going to call it? Didn't I start and you finish? Yeah, but I read two in the middle. Remember, I did Intacto okay. on the oh, back okay. of the killing okay. kind. All right, yeah, it's an hour We've and done half, an yeah. equal amount. So <laughs> our our newest Dark Art Society member is Gavin Gray Valentine. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank and you. if anybody else wants to join us, we have all kinds of cool things going on. We actually are going to have some really exciting new developments here shortly, maybe even by the time that this airs. And so we tune talked, in. We to, talked about it. We talked about some new developments on the pre, on the pre roll as well. Yeah. So when the pre-roll is available, if you become a Dark Art Society member, along with access to Discord and the Dark Art Society cooperative that's secret on Facebook, where there's all kinds of things going on. And how much you does can it, listen to the podcast a day early. How much does it cost to, for that tier? For what? To take one to buck get, for the cooperative. Yeah. It's so and worth you get it. A, listen to the podcast a day early. It's $12 a year. You know, yeah. it's, it's so cheap and so worth it. I can't stress enough how... Um, uh, Aside from us being able to um, create new rewards and stuff, um, that and and offer offer more to you, uh, the audience, by joining, it's it's also the 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 group, the Facebook group's amazing, the Discord group's getting really amazing. There's a lot of conversation, a lot of ideas being thrown around, so you can really take an active part in shaping this movement. And all all we're asking, uh, we'll do the we'll do our part by doing this. Keep this thing going. All you need to do is throw out a buck a month, and it's if you know if it's easy to cancel if you don't like it. 
Yep. It's, it's nothing. You can just push a button, you cancel, you don't have to go through a whole rigmarole. It's well, totally it's worth cool it. Because if you're not doing any Patreons at all, you know, you should take the leap just to follow anybody. I mean, of course we want you to become a member of our, our Patreon, but it's fun because it's this platform where instead of going to Facebook where you're going to be drowned with a bunch of stuff, you don't really want to look at it and have to kind of dig through to find the stuff you want to look at. When I go to my homepage on Patreon, all I see is stuff I want to look yeah, at right. and it's it's stuff great. that no one else Patreons, gets to look at. Patreons. So I like, I get to go to the place where all the cool stuff is and all the cool people are and look at all of it. <laughs> Patreon's amazing. That's, Patreon's what's, that's amazing. what's exciting about it. So, you know, again, you pay a buck and you never know. Chet and I, 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 draw, I admin it and I drop all kinds of stuff every week that's not even on the reward list. Just, you know, little snippets and things here and there. So, you know, become a member. Yeah, it's great. It. It's, it's great. If, everyone, if everyone who listened, we get all these it. listens. If everyone list, uh, threw in a buck a month, it would it would be huge and we could do, we could grow this thing so much faster. A lot more. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, it's exciting. So yeah, please throw some energy behind it. And if anything else, even if you're, you know, if you don't have the money, which we understand chat and I totally get that then share it, you know, share it with your friends, social media, share the link, tell people about it, you know, people that, you know, because the truth is the more people we can round up chat and I only have such a large reach and we need everyone else to help, help us reach. So, yeah. So, and thank you for those who do support. Absolutely. Um, making a huge difference yeah, in our we, ability to get things done and really focus on doing this regiment. Yeah. I don't think we could, we, we wouldn't have kept doing this if, if we hadn't, didn't have your support for you people. No, we supporting. no way. So you guys are making it happen. Yep. So thank you guys and gals and uh good podcast. Oh, yeah. well, well, you know, I think we should, I think the next episode should be part two of the movie thing, but maybe not. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, but. I really, I'm comfortable with that. I feel like um, there's so many we left out. I mean, we barely oh, scratched. Since this is like probably a three-part episode. <laughs> oh, it, could, it could be more than that. Like I said, you do a whole yeah, podcast a on that topic. Episode. But yeah, I was, I, I already was had like you know at least six more that I was already thinking of. Like, oh yeah, and then this is a good movie. Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you guys for tuning and gals for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys next week. Chad, do you want to promote anything else, or are you straight? Uh, and I might. You can check out my Patreon at uh, Patreon.com/slash/ChetZar and. Uh, lots of stuff going on there. Mike's Patreon at patreon.com slash energy creations. Patreon.com forward slash land of enchantment tours or patreon.com forward slash emails from infinity. Sorry. All right, you're fine. That's right. All right. I mean, it would make more sense if I just did my handle there like every other artist, <laughs> but you know me, can't do anything normal now. <laughs> all right. Thank well, you. we'll catch you guys all next Wednesday. Yes, and thanks. Thanks. thanks for listening. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Peace. <laughs>